Jesus Christ is certainly one of the most uh, pivotal, uh, and we would even say controversial people in human history. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, it's hard to deny that maybe more than any other person, uh, Jesus Christ has changed the course of human history, has changed the course of the world. Lots of people say and do things in His name, All the time. He's claimed and quoted by people on every continent, uh, by people of every political stripe, uh, in many different cultures. But who was he? What did he say? What did he do? These are the questions we want to answer. Now, we want to get to know Jesus, and to do that, we're going to spend a good amount of time uh, studying really the most uh, comprehensive account of Jesus' life that there is in the New Testament, and that's the Gospel of Luke. Uh, that's our next sermon series, and so we're going to begin today right at the very beginning of Luke. So if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. If you're following along in uh, the Bible there in the row, uh, it should be on page 855. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is God's word, and he gives it for our benefit. Let's ask him for his help in reading it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for Luke's gospel and pray that you would bless our time in its pages. God, more than anything, we want to see Jesus, the focus of the scriptures, the center and sum of all your revelation. What we would believe uh, is our only hope. So God, would you bless uh, our time, the reading, the hearing, and the preaching of your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my uh, my favorite jobs of all time so far uh, has been being a ropes specialist at a summer camp. Uh, We had a 50-foot climbing tower and just a little over 100 kids to send up and down that climbing tower every week. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, And the first day was always the best day. And actually, the the first day of my training on the tower was was my favorite day uh, because it was this was never something I'd done before. Um, I'm actually not all that crazy about heights. There's a there's a bridge in Chattanooga uh, near the in, in downtown Chattanooga where like the floor of the bridge is actually translucent, like you can see through it. As you walk across it, 
I'm not keen. I'm not crazy about that. Uh, you're, you're like walking over a busy street. Not my favorite place. So I'm not all that crazy about heights, but I loved working on the climbing tower. I love being the rope specialist. Uh, because, uh, so, so what we would do on the first day is, uh, every climber uh, that we could, we would get them to go about 15 feet off the ground. And then we would just tell them to let go. And what would happen? Nothing. Right? Uh, they would, given you know the weight and how high up they were, they would fall just a bit, but then they would stop right there. Why? Well, because they're attached to a rope that can withstand about 2,000 pounds of force. So they're not going anywhere, right? They're attached from a rope that goes up to a pulley that goes down behind them to a belay. Uh, and that person holding the belay has got the rope locked off behind them. So that person's not budging. You see, the trick in climbing is to get people to trust the rope. To get people to trust that even if they let go, right? The trick in climbing, at least this kind of climbing, is not how strong your hands are. It's not how strong your arms are or your legs are. It's not how brave you are. The trick in climbing is trust. Being certain that when you let go, you're not going anywhere. That the rope is going to hold. And that's why Luke writes his gospel. He tells his friend Theophilus there in verse 4 that he writes what he writes so that Theophilus can be certain, can be sure that the truth about Jesus is true. That it is true truth so to speak, that we can be confident of what, uh, of what, of the message about Jesus. And so as, uh, I want you to bear that in mind as we begin our, uh, our look at the Gospel of Luke, uh, that purpose statement, right? That we can be certain, we can be sure of the truth about Jesus. And there are three things, three, uh, three markers that I want to point out, three ways that Luke describes his, uh, his report, his history. Three things that Luke is about. Luke is about accuracy. Luke is about order, which makes a Presbyterian heart very happy. He's about accuracy, he's about order, and he is about fulfillment. Luke is about accuracy. Look again at what he says. He, he's, he talks about compiling a narrative of the things that have been accomplished just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Now, so Luke, the writer of this gospel, is not an eyewitness of what's, of what's transpired. He is not an eyewitness of the life of Jesus. Now, let me take a step back and explain one other word that you may hear a lot in church circles, and that's the word gospel. That word means good news, and it's used uh, generically of the message of Jesus throughout the New Testament. But specifically, it is used of the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're looking at the third. Now, what you'll notice if you read any four of those accounts, any four of those histories of Jesus, is that they don't have any names attached to them. Mark doesn't claim to write Mark, Matthew doesn't claim to write Matthew, John doesn't claim to write John, and Luke's name is nowhere to be found in Luke's gospel. 
Um, but we do know this, kind of working towards, okay, who is the writer of this book? This same writer also wrote the book of Acts. And if you were to look at Acts 1, 1 and 2, you would see that he addresses that book to Theophilus as well. So this writer actually wrote two of the longest books in the New Testament, making him the writer of most of the New Testament. And if you read on in Acts, you find that the writer was actually a part of the action. He himself is in the story. He's a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And that narrows the list down to a select group of people. But the reason that we know that Luke wrote this book and the book of Acts actually comes to us from history. That history is unanimous in attributing this book to Luke. To... um, Luke is mentioned as a co-worker of Paul's in Colossians 4. Uh, There he's called, Paul calls him a physician, so he's a doctor. Uh, And we kind of see that in the language that he uses, uh, that his his Greek is a little more polished than some of the others. Um, He's mentioned in 2 Timothy 4, there at the end of Paul's life. Luke is one of the last few. When when, uh, Demas has left them, Luke remains. Uh, So Luke is faithful. He's faithful to the work. And he's also mentioned in Philemon 24. Uh, And so history attributes, and and it's unanimous uh, in attributing this work to this Luke, this Greek physician who was faithful to the cause uh, even when everyone else had abandoned it. But he was not an eyewitness of Jesus' life and death. But he spoke to eyewitnesses. Look again at what he says in verse 3. It says he uh, has followed all things closely. Philip Ryken, a pastor and commentator uh, on this book, says that if Mark is a storyteller and John is a philosopher, then Luke is an investigative reporter. He is, an, he is not an eyewitness, but he went and found the eyewitnesses. He traveled a lot, traveled extensively, and he went and searched out. He did his homework. He tracked down the witnesses, right? As he says, those uh, who were from the beginning eyewitnesses and ministered ministers of the word. So what we have here is a well-researched and accurate account of the life of Jesus. He's gone back to those who were there, to the sources, to the original servants of the word, those people who had been delivering the message of Jesus from the very beginning, and he's talked to them. Why? So that we can be sure. So that we can be certain about the truth concerning Jesus. Luke is about accuracy. Luke is about order. He tells Theophilus that he's writing an orderly account now, we don't know much about Theophilus. He was probably a real person and probably a high-ranking government official because uh, Luke calls him most excellent. But what Luke says is that he starts at the very beginning. Luke actually starts before Jesus is even born. He starts with the birth of Jesus' cousin, John. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. In fact, Luke is the only gospel writer who gives us that information. What we know about the birth of Jesus comes from Luke. I don't know if you've ever realized that. That, uh, that you know, at Christmas time we tend to read lots of different passages from different places, but the birth narrative of Jesus comes from Luke. 
Uh, and Luke is the only one who gives it. What Matthew gives us actually comes from a couple years down the road, but that's another sermon. All right. Now, orderly doesn't necessarily mean chronological, though Luke is the most chronological history that we have. Uh, a parable or a teaching might be placed topically rather than exactly when it chronologically happened. But on the whole, Luke tells us about the things as they happened in a structured way. Jesus says in Luke 15.10 that he came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission statement, so to speak. And you can actually structure Luke's gospel that way. That the opening chapters are the coming of Jesus. Uh, that the next several chapters up to about chapter, uh, to the end of chapter 9 is Luke, is, uh, is Jesus seeking the lost. And then as Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem and dies on the cross and, uh, rises again from the dead, that's Jesus saving the lost. So, Luke writes an orderly account. He's accurate, he's orderly, but maybe most important, Luke is about fulfillment. Look again at verse 1. He says that many have undertaken to compile a narrative, and this is what he's doing as well, to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Now, on a very simple level, Luke is simply writing to tell us about something that's happened, right? That could be the, when, when he says some things that have been accomplished, something, that's, something that he's been a part of, something that's happened. Like others before him, he's putting together a history of what has happened. But there's a deeper sense to that word, accomplished. That word can also be translated, fulfilled. So, Luke is writing a history of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And as we go through Luke's gospel, you're going to see that Luke is all about God's plan. He's all about, uh, he, he uses at several points this phrase, it was necessary. He had to. Luke is writing, right, that word fulfilled, like, like you made an obligation that you had to keep, that you had to fulfill. You did what you said you were going to do. And so Luke is saying in the very opening of his gospel that something was foretold. Something was promised a long time ago. And that what Luke writes about is the fulfillment, is the keeping of that promise. So Luke is all about God's plan coming to fruition. Particularly God's plan to save the whole world. Jew and Greek, male and female, rich and poor. Of all the gospel writers, uh, Luke is the most universal. That the message, the good news of Jesus is for all kinds of people. It is not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. It is not just for men, it is for women. Uh, Luke Luke has a focus particularly on women who approach Jesus. It's not simply for those who are in. In fact, if anything, Luke says that the message of Jesus is most desired by those who are out. By those who are on the outer edges of society. Not the powerful in the center, but the weak and the marginalized and the poor. 
Luke focuses on them. And Luke is convinced that he's writing about God's fulfilling this plan to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says in another place in Luke uh, that the physician, that those who are well have no need of a, visit, of a physician, but those who are sick. Luke presents Jesus as the one who comes to seek and to save the sick. So, Luke writes an accurate, orderly history of God's plan to save lost sinners through Jesus. And he does it so that we can be sure. So that we can be certain. So that we can be sure of the truth about Jesus. So, right here at the beginning, what, uh, what do we do? Let me make a suggestion. Uh, you may be following along in the, uh, the the Bible reading plan that we post on the end of the bulletin. And if you are, that's fine. But as we start this series on Luke, what I would encourage you to do is read it through. Read it through like you would a book. Uh, maybe you want to read it uh, through together. If you're married, read it through with your spouse. Uh, if you have kids, uh, maybe you want to read it through a segment at a time at the dinner table at night. But go ahead and start reading through the Gospel of Luke. It's going to take some time. It's a long book, uh, but it'll be worth digesting. And listen, as, as you do, maybe you want to take a notebook or a journal and just write down uh, insights as they pop out to you. Uh, questions, write down questions. Now, you don't have to stop and answer all those questions. Avoid Wikipedia and Google while you're doing this, right? Uh, not because it's not important to answer your questions, but because uh, if you stop too much to smell the roses, you'll get bogged down and you'll give up, right? And so, just read it through. Read it through a couple of times. The point um, is to engage with Luke, uh, to read Luke as he is presenting the person of Jesus. All right, so I encourage you to do that uh, as we go through this series. Just take some time and read the Gospel of Luke so that you're familiar with it. Uh, next question, who is Luke for? Who is Luke for? I mean, Luke himself writes to Theophilus. Theophilus's name means uh, friend of God or lover of God, uh, but... That's a pretty generic name in Theophilus's day. So, um, put yourself in Theophilus's shoes, right? We know that Theophilus maybe had at least some familiarity with Jesus. Uh, Luke says he had been taught some things, so he has some familiarity with Jesus and with the Christian message. But who is Luke for? Luke is for the doubter. Maybe you've trusted in Jesus at some point in your life, but doubt lingers. Sometimes whispering, sometimes screaming. Is he really true? Is he really trustworthy? How can I be sure the rope will hold? Luke is for you. Luke is also for the curious. Maybe you're here to investigate Jesus. Uh, you've heard other people talk about him, friends, neighbors, parents, pastors. Maybe you're familiar with the church, maybe you're not. 
But you've heard about Jesus and you want to know more. Is this message true? Am I convinced that it's true? Luke is for you as well. I want you to notice though that what Luke does. Luke doesn't trust Theophilus' feelings on the matter. Right? Luke doesn't think that faith is just a leap into the darkness hoping that there's something there to hold. In order to bolster Theophilus' confidence and ours, Luke writes a big book. He gives a whole history full of evidence. Not just, not just saying, hey, listen, if you feel good about it, I feel good about it, we'll feel good about it. He doesn't do that. He says, Theophilus, I want you to be sure. You've heard some things, you've been taught, but I want you to be certain. So let me tell you about Jesus. Luke gives us a big book of evidence to convince us that Jesus is true and that the good news about Jesus affects every single part of your life. In fact as Jesus will demand in this gospel, it is worth giving away your entire life so that you can have it. Do you believe that? And are you certain? Let's pray. Father, as we begin this journey in meeting Jesus through the lens of Luke, I pray that you would help us I pray that there would, uh, there would be some daring, courageous souls who want to read this gospel. And that as we read it, as we meditate on it, God, that you would transform us, that we really would see Jesus, that we would hear his words, that we would see his work, and that we would become convinced that he is true. Not simply intellectually, but in a way that we can bet our entire lives on. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we uh, worship God and respond to His Word by giving of our gifts.